that's nice. Bro, it was, it was, it was wild. Whoa. Whoa. Anyways. Why we're doing stuff like this. <laughs> All right, man. Okay, you ready? Oh, I'm so ready. Hey, welcome. If you are tuning into this, whether on YouTube or on podcast land, I want to take a quick moment just to say thank you um, and say we are in a cool, we're in a cool month, month of February. We're going after family and relationships back in 2020, 2020 happened. And I don't want to talk about that a ton today, but um, we're coming out of 2020 with a focus on we were ambushed. What do you do when you're ambushed? You pick a few targets and you move forward. You can't just sit in all the frustration and tension and attack. You actually have to move or it'll just take over. So we chose the targets of faith, family, and forever. And uh, month one, last month, January, we talked about, uh, we had the seek first, which I hope your faith has grown a little bit. I hope it's helped you. And this week, we're just going to get nuts and bolts on family and relationship. And so you can see these two amazing people. They're some of my best friends. They're on my left. I don't know if they're on your right, but it's Brian and Mackenzie Holmes from Rocky Butte. They are youth pastors out there. And uh, we're just going to have a conversation about family and it's going to be fun. I, I'm pretty sure I'm going to laugh a lot because Brian is just one of the funniest guys I have ever known. And <laughs> Brian, Brian knows how to give you just an ounce of confidence and it, and and announce seems like not a lot, so it sounds cheap, but it's just like a, a push. Like I remember I came, I don't know if you remember this, but I came and I spoke and it was forever ago. I don't even remember. I think it was during MFI or something. And you came up to me and you were like, Trent, you're going to kill it tonight. These kids are going to love you. And I was like, how do you know? Because <laughs> I'm all nervous, right? I'm like, gee, this is a big deal. And I'm like, this is my moment, right? And you're like, you're like, oh, like you you're going to kill these kids. Gonna and I'm like, how do I, like, how do you know that? And you're like, your shoes. And I oh, had yeah. those green Nikes yeah. and like a green shirt. I mean, I would never wear that now, but it was. It was cool back then, man. You still got it. You still got like, it. That's all I needed. Like if anything, like the Bible or Jesus, whatever, my shoes. Um, but yeah, I appreciate you guys a ton. And I think the world of you guys. I want to jump into a simple question. I, it could be complex, but we'll see. Who, who, Brian, I'm going to ask you. Actually, Mackenzie, I'm going to ask you first. I think it's safe. Oh, great. Brian, you're safer, and I think Brian is, I don't know, we'll see. Take me back. If I was going to meet Mackenzie at 14, 15 years old, <laughs> who was Mackenzie at 14, 15 years old? Well, the glow up has been real. Okay. I'm just going to say that, right? <laughs> um, but 14, 15, I was um, freshman at Enumclaw High School. Um, and it was definitely a small town. And um, I was pretty shy. Um, I wasn't, I'm still not much of an extrovert, but um, I was in orchestra. I uh, played. Me too. Yeah? Really? Yeah. I played, this is, this is, this is kind of funny. I played trumpet, but they said my lips were too fat. So they moved me to a baritone. Like, who plays a baritone? You're telling this guy. I know. Wow, big lips, okay? Yeah, I get it. Yeah, I played, um, I played cello for starting in fifth grade for 10 years. Um, cello. And uh, 
Yeah, but I uh, I kind of had like a quiet confidence of like I know who I am, um, and I love church and hanging out with family and all that. I was I was a pretty boring 14, 15 year old, just being real. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Brian, take me back. If I uh, would roll up on Brian at 14, 15, who would I be rolling up on? You'd be rolling on a puka shell necklace, <laughs> double, double polo pop collar, um, <laughs> Republic Lacoste shoes, um, faux hawk. I had a solid faux hawk. <laughs> oh my God. Oh man, it it was uh McKenzie said the glow up was real. I'm gonna be honest, the glow the glow out of whatever that was <laughs> has been nothing short of a miracle. So <laughs> that was that was a deal. Man, um I mean there's some people listening, you're 14, you're 15 years old. Uh, when I was 14 or 15, I think I had hugged a girl for the first time when I was 15. Like the first time I ever like I'm church kid from day one. So it was like side hugs or like air high fives but or there was like, no don't make eye contact yeah like don't don't look don't smell them don't look at them like don't i don't know why you randomly smell someone but that's cool don't do um that. if you're 14 yeah, 15 don't, don't do that you know what do it yeah that'll be a great I learning i think the smell <laughs> test says a lot <laughs> oh yeah girls don't um, do it it's not worth it <laughs> yeah guys guys go up to a random girl and just sniffer and see what she does okay um but <laughs> Um, no, and, and honestly, I, uh, I was in, I was in bands, uh, super involved in church. Um, I, I started side micing at youth at that time as well, getting involved in the worship team. Um, I was, I was, I'm going to, I'm going to say a PG version of what Brian was. I was a tool. I was, I was, I was, I was rough around the, I was one way at one way at school, another way at church. And then, you know, the perfect younger sibling at home. So, uh, man, Brian, Brian at 14 or 15, if I could meet him, I just give him one solid punch to the throat. And I think that would have saved myself a lot of heartache during that time. Oh my gosh. I, I kind of wish I knew Brian. Oh man! Just for the necklace. Oh god! Maybe we all would have been friends. No, no, no. I think at church maybe. Yeah, at church. I but then it, like school, no. I bet. I bet I'd be friends with David, or I would hate David. Evans, <laughs> we're both athletes. Well, I played. I played basketball. I was on the freshman freshman varsity team in in high school, so I played we'd basketball. We'd probably be friends. Um, I don't. But I just do girls. I was a jerk. Like I was just rude. Like I, I was really mean to females. I was just so insecure that I tried to put it off in something else. And it wasn't, I mean, I thought it was working, but it definitely wasn't, <laughs> which is being a freshman, I guess. That's part of being a freshman in high school. You're just figuring it out. All you young bucks out there, just be kind. Uh, Don't wear two be, polos. Hey, be yourself. No. If if yeah. you take anything away from this, it's just go up and randomly smell girls. Okay, that's that's the that's the you get punched in the teeth by some of these girls out here. Though. Yes, that's and that's the, they goal. Will throw down. <laughs> that's the goal. And you will deserve it. <laughs> yeah, one hundred percent. I love it. Hey, okay, so if I were to come over to your house, give me give me a window into family. So let's say you and I are friends, and and. Hey man, come over to my house. Come spend the night. We're gonna stay up and play Xbox, whatever. I don't even know if they had Nintendo sixty four. 
N64 was, well, no, they had, they had, they had PS, no, they had PS1. PS1. Obviously, I played not. They had Wii. We could have done Wii in high school. We could have done Wii. So then they had PS2. Yeah, so PS2. Thanks, hey, hey, we're going to play. Gonna play we're going to play NBA 2K all night. Just got it. Mm-hmm. Um, if I were to walk into your house, show me, give me a window into the Holmes household, the, mm-hmm. the upbringing. What, what would I see? What family members, atmosphere? Yeah. Come over like 5 p.m. What would be happening in your house? Uh, dinner. We'd, we'd, be, we'd be eating dinner. Um, we would, uh, if there was any type of sport on at all, we'd be eating dinner at our TV trays downstairs and watching sports. Good times. Um, sports. Yeah, my family is a huge sports family. Um, Ed and I would, if it's over summer, uh, we'd eat dinner, and then Ed and I, uh, my older brother, who's one of my heroes, a legend in every way, um, we were super close my freshman year in high school. Um, he was a senior at the same high school, both on the basketball teams, and uh, we, uh, we would have, actually, he didn't play basketball his senior year, but he could still beat me as a senior, and I was a freshman. Uh, we'd go into our backyard, and we'd, we'd, play, we'd play basketball until the sun went down, or um, we would, we would, we would just hang out as a family and lots of laughter, lots of fun. Um, I think, I think that time of around that time, it was really, uh, we had a projector in our basement, um, where we could put movies up on a projector and stuff. So we, we'd have people over and we'd watch movies on the projector or different stuff like that, you know, big sporting events we put on the projector. So either TV or outdoors. There was, there, there was no in between. So either one of those. Were you like in your room, did you have like posters of NBA players? Were you that guy? I had a poster of, this was back when um, they were the jail, they were just transitioning out of being the jailblazers. And we had, <laughs> we had just drafted Brandon Roy had gotten rid of Rasheed Wallace, Bonzi Wells, and we were in the LaMarcus Aldridge, Brandon Roy, Matthews in his prime. Um, Martel Webster was on that team. Joe Presbilla. And we were two years away from drafting Greg Oden. Um, And so I had a poster of Brandon Roy, who is to this day, Dame just passed him as my favorite Blazer um, just this last season, which is a big deal for me. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I had a poster of Brandon Roy and MJ doing the dunk from the free throw line. Those, those two posters were in my room. I had an MJ poster and then I had a poster of my dad shooting, <laughs> shooting like in the air, like two feet in the air, full follow through. And I think like Ken Malman, he was shooting over like Ken Malman, no joke. And I just thought it was the most, and I don't know Kim Malman. I'm like, who's that? He's like, oh, that's Kim Malman. Like, but I'm like, dude, Afro, like back wow. in the day, dude. I was like, my dad was freaking awesome. That is that's so cool. Do you saw that poster? Dude, it's somewhere. I probably don't. <laughs> I, I would kill for that. It's in, it's in the gym, the same gym. You can see in the background. It's the oh, same okay. stink. That gym hasn't been remodeled since it was built. For the military. Yeah, <laughs> like forever ago. Um, oh man, that poster, that poster could go for a hot dollar, man. That, that poster. <laughs> buy it, buy it. Mm, eh. I don't want Trent's dad in my house. I'm gonna be honest. Love him, amazing man of God. Spoken in my life many times, but 
I'd be a little creeped out if there was a post of him <laughs> playing basketball in my house. So. Bro, it's just, it's, it was just one of those things. Like I oh, it is one of those things. Had to – oh, man, it was so good. Mackenzie, get yes. the window into your home. Average day, 5 o'clock. What's happening? Where's Stuart, my guy? What's he doing? Yeah. Give me, Give me a little window. What's going on? Yeah, so if you were to come to my house at 5 p.m., on a weeknight, it would be a giant cluster. Um, <laughs> my mom, uh, my mom worked full time, so and so did my dad. So five o'clock was like driving in the driveway. Let's get stuff done, finish homework, do dinner, all that different stuff. Um, so my mom would start cooking a delicious meal, and if there was company over, she'd make even better food. So, <laughs> um, and um, I must confess, our house was being remodeled the majority of my childhood. So we didn't necessarily have a ton of people over. Um, and so anyway, so if you were over, like it was a big deal. Um, Your family. And, <laughs> yeah. And um, yeah, we'd be doing homework, finishing up all that. Um, yeah. Making dinner. And then we'd probably sit um, on the couch, eat dinner and watch TV. Um, if it was springtime, baseball would be on Mariners, you know? Um, and right. Or we'd be heading to one of Stewart's baseball games after we like scarf food and drive. Um, and yeah, homework, go to bed and then do the whole thing over the next day. So your family was big into board games, right? No. Like cards? Now they are, but now they are. No, not back then. No, man, guys, they got me into playing cards. (laughs) It's a vibe. Cards, cards are the real deal. We are crazy. We've, We've almost got a divorce over cards. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah. That's a different podcast for a different time. <laughs> it's, another, it's another year is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So that's, that's 14-15. Let's kind of fast forward to this season, this context, this series, this youth ministry, this church, this year. You guys are now your own family. How, how are you guys ambushed? Or what happened in 2020 that kind of set you back? Um, I mean, there's there's a variety of things. I mean, um, probably the biggest one is at the end of 2019, um, Mackenzie and I transitioned from our 217 campus to the Rocky Butte campus where I was born and raised. Um, Mackenzie and I, you know, have been serving Rocky Butte for a few years as a dating couple and then as um, a married couple for a little while. And then we, we begin this crazy transition and we go off to two set, you know, go off to 217 and then, you know, 2019 to 2020, we're coming back to Rocky Butte. Um, and that, you know, 2020, I remember the Wednesday when we, when Rudy Gobert gave um, uh, COVID to the entire jazz team and shut down the NBA. And it was right after that, the next day we went we went into lockdown and the NBA shut down. It was it was game over. That was and on a Wednesday night. That was a Wednesday night. That was a Wednesday night it with was everything. Around hand sanitizer was a joke. Oh yeah. Now that's we're like doing foot fives. We're doing foot fives at youth. We weren't doing high fives. We're doing foot fives. So, so that 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 happened. And um, you know, as as a youth pastor, um, and just Mackenzie and I's hearts is we, we want to be with our students, you know, we want to be going to their games and showing up at their schools and bringing them pizza. We want to be getting to know them and build relationship and hanging out. And 
um, staying late after youth nights and playing basketball in the gym and, and all that was taken away. So the core way of just connecting with students and building relationship and gaining trust and all this stuff we know how to do was just, you know, just taken away. And, um, you know, Mackenzie and I personally have, have been on a journey over the last couple of years of, um, you know, trying to start a family. And then you, you throw the, the, getting, you know, stuck in your house. Mackenzie still had to work. She works in the medical field. And so she's, she's still going to work every day. And, um, you know, so there's all these different pressures, you know, it's, it's not just, you know, we had all of the personal pressures we had going on pre transitioning of a campus, you know, trying to start a family and you go down the list of things, then add COVID and racial tension that's taking place in our, in our nation and in our city and our students feeling like they had, you know, finally feeling like they had a voice to, to speak up on issues and, and things being brought to light that we weren't aware of. And, and then you have all the students that are in isolation and isolation is a form of torture. And so now students are making bad decisions and, and, and hurting themselves without really knowing it and, and finally confessing those things and talking about it. And I know that is on other people, but as youth pastors, we carry that weight. That's that stuff we want to care for. And so that's, that's an ambush for us too. And so, yeah, yeah, there was, there was, there was a lot. I don't know if you want to add anything else. Yeah, I think even like financially, like Mm -hmm. Brian was still working full time, but there's this potential of like, okay, there's this virus. What's it going to do? Like we all said, Oh, it'll be two weeks. Well, and here we are. I I remember (laughs) The first live we had, the Wednesday after everything happened, I was like, guys, this is going to be a few weeks and, you know, we'll be back. And here we are further than two weeks after this all happened. Yeah. And I think there was a little bit of the fear that crept in. Like, I mean, when all the stats were first coming out, it was like, oh, this, I mean, and it has killed people, but this has the potential to knock a lot of people out. And Um, so there was some fear there as well as like financially okay like what if I lose my job like Mm. my job can function without me kind of Mm. Um, but like for Brian like the church can run without a youth pastor like I mean like that's just the reality and um, and so there was I thought that yeah I mean we're we're a nonprofit organization and (laughs) when it comes to working for a nonprofit you know, there's at the end of the day, it's do we keep these buildings or, you know, that are going to provide housing for people potentially if we, we, you know, we need to do that for our city or, yeah, I agree. Yeah. So there's financially definitely some pressure. And then even, I mean, Brian mentioned it for the students, isolation being a form of torture, but I felt myself as well. Like I'm not around my church community, whether that's students and leaders or um, people on a Sunday morning because we were shut down. It was that like, all of a sudden this tunnel vision creeps in of like, okay, my world is my world alone. Um, and all of a sudden there's no voices into that world besides my spouse and my coworkers aren't saved. So they're not speaking mm. like Jesus words of life over me. Um, and so there was definitely moments of that, but I remember like, I think it was in April. So probably about, two weeks, maybe, maybe a month into quarantine. Um, I remember having this moment. I wasn't doing my devotions. I wasn't spending time with Jesus. Um, I was listening to worship music and I pray, but not like, okay, Lord, let your word refine me. Mm -hmm. Um, and just having this moment of like, oh my gosh, how do I expect to, um, 
see students fall in love with Jesus and pursue his heart and pursue um, his house, if I can't even do that for myself, like I've got a bachelor's degree in theology, like I lead people. I, I, I have the paper that says I'm a pastor, right? Like I can marry and bury like, um, and, and if I can't encounter Jesus like that, so that was a moment for me where my faith could have been significantly ambushed more than it was. Mm. And it was ambushed, but it was a moment of like, okay, no, fight back, put your fists up. Like, let's do this. So. I think, I think for both of us, we got to a point where, um, in our personal growth, we, we kind of asked each other the question, when we get to the end of 2020, yeah. what are we going to be able to look back and say we accomplished? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if nothing changes between now and December, which not a whole lot has, um, what can we look back and say we've gotten done? Both, um, you know, big areas for us are spiritually, emotionally, physically, and financially. Like those are the major areas for us that, that we look back on. And so you asked the question, how did you respond? We kind of buckled down and said, Hey, in these four areas, we're going to grow. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're we're going to choose to lean into the pressure. We're going to, you know, it exposed a lot of weaknesses in my leadership as a pastor, as someone who, you know, I had one way, I had my way of doing things and that way got stripped. And, um, you know, Mackenzie too, she's a pastor and, and leader and has a full-time job and has COVID, you know, all these different things going on. And so we just chose, Hey, this is an amazing opportunity to grow and people that don't grow become obsolete. And so we were like, man, we don't want to be obsolete. We, we want to be people that affect the kingdom of God. So, and serve students like, yeah, wait, I mean, mine's a volunteer job, but we had to completely relearn how to do youth ministry. And there was definitely moments where we did feel like victims, like, okay, COVID you shut down (laughs) stuff, but like, Really, you had to change how we do use as if it was COVID that changed that. But like, um, so that was definitely like a, an attack moment. Um, however, I, I trust God. Yeah. doing so. Yeah. Yes. So they say, they say crisis is an accelerator. We all had to grow up really fast. And we all had to learn really fast and change really fast. So we're sitting now in February, kind of and we're looking back, there's a way that you to function. There's a way that you to live life. Mm Kind of, I want to kind of like talk about 14, 15 year old. How did you think about your family then? And now that you've actually lived some life, you've been married, you've gone through a crisis together. You've been through some struggles together. You've had to grow and kind of like find your values and your convictions and finances, physical health, faith, all these things. What's, how did you look at your family when you were a teenager and how do you look at your family now? Like your upbringing? Um, well, not to get very unserious, but there's this TikTok <laughs> that um, it goes, Oh, I thought this was normal until I went to a friend's house and saw that like neighborhoods have sidewalks, you know, like, um, <laughs> and so the way that my family did life, I mean, like I mentioned it earlier, like our house was in the process of being remodeled all the time. We didn't have people over, like, um, we didn't necessarily do community in our home. We did community at church. We did community at other people's houses, but we didn't do it community in our home. So I thought that was just what everybody did. 
Um, and like, I went to friends' houses, but, um, and so, and then when it came to some mindsets regarding, um, perfectionism, like mm -hmm. I bring home a test and it's 98. Well, let's talk about why you missed 2% and only got 98%. Um, so that perfectionism, which doing your best is of course, very good and very important. However, when your best isn't good enough, um, you, you start to assume that everyone else thinks that and you start to assume that the rest of the world is like that. So looking back, oh my gosh, I totally see it. Um, but at the time it was like, oh my gosh, this is what it's like for everybody, you know? And I, I would say something similar, uh, but just in a different expression, you know, my, my family, um, you know, I grew up in church and specifically at Manor House growing up, there was a lot of expectation because of who I was related to in family and history. And so I walk into church and I feel like I have to be this, I got to do worship because I have heritage of worship. I got to do this because there's, you know, that in my family. And um, I had a passion. I love those things. That Those are all things that I really enjoyed. But it was always, I always felt like when I walked into church, I had to switch something on in order to be the person that I was supposed to be. But at school, I didn't have that. At school, I didn't, I, no one knew Brian for, he, they didn't care that he went to church. They didn't care that he was a Christian. And I, and I, I, looking back, I wanted to experiment with what that was. I wanted to experiment with, man, what's it like to have a girlfriend? What's it like to, to, to not obey your parents? Like what's, what's it like to, and you, so when I was 14 and 15, um, thinking about my family, um, I, I thought it was, I thought we were, we were exceptional in the church world, but we were nobodies in the real world. Mm. So in the church world, I had my bubble and in the real world, I had, I had nobody I was fending for myself. Um, my parents couldn't understand. They couldn't relate. They couldn't, um, they couldn't, uh, know what I was going through and, 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 um, they wouldn't let me date, you know, so I just do it behind their back or they wouldn't let me do this. So I just did that, you know, and, um, you know, looking, looking back, um, what, what I saw was a, what I see now, and I pastor students like this now, which is if there's any students that are watching this, where God's called you to do ministry in the future, just get ready to have to pastor someone that's going through whatever the heck you're going through. Cause that's how God works. But looking back at it now, um, I really admired and respect my parents. You know, Mackenzie mentioned some things in her family that was like, wow, this is something, you know, that needed to change. And I've had a great conversation with my family and you know, my mom's been on a journey too of like, man, religion can and really end up being a crutch to your relationship with God. Yep. Um, and pride can come in. You know, the, the Bible says that um, pride puffs us up, that there's, there's this inflammation that takes place when, when you view religion as more important than just being a good God-fearing human without a title, without any kind of recognition. And so um, looking back at it now, I think one thing that, you know, I'm like, man, that, that's something that I'm able to look back and, and pers you know, evaluate and say, you know what, the religious side of things, uh, we go to church because we need to, or we serve every Sunday because more crowns and jewels in heaven, you know, and like those kinds of things. Um, but, you know, my family now couldn't love them, couldn't love them more because they've even realized that for themselves and it's brought some great health and wholeness to us so and I do think as adults like looking back 
Um, and, and hearing like stories. Am about, I an adult? Like, is that a thing? <laughs> my gosh. Yeah. Um, uh, I but, <laughs> but hearing stories of like how our parents were raised, um, yeah. it, it opens your eyes to see that your parents are doing the best that they can the majority of the time. Um, and that maybe to an extreme there, they were, they were punished very severely. Maybe it was, um, extreme, spankings and I'm not going to go into what discipline's okay and what's not but um but then when you look and see that oh well now all of a sudden I I noticed that my parents yell at me a lot well they're not physically abusing you like what they received as a child so all of a sudden you start to see things in a different light and that grace and that empathy for what what happened in your upbringing um it start Jesus puts a filter on it because you have that grace for your parents realizing oh, you know what, I'm going to assume the best that they were doing their best with what they gave me as a kid. And I'll add one more thing to this too, but perspective is everything. Um, and the older you get, the more perspective you gain. Yeah. And so like I was the kid when someone was like, Brian, when you get older, you'll understand. And I'd be like, shut up, just get away from me. I hate that. But now that I'm I'm looking back and at True. something like it, it truth hurts and when things hurt we get defensive and so when i would respond that way it's because i knew there was a bit of truth to what they were saying and i was getting defensive to what they were expressing and so um to students that listen to this and they're like man i i feel the same way about my parents i want to just echo what mackenzie said most of the time most of the time if your parents are followers of jesus most of the time they are just giving you 115% better than they received themselves. Um, And you're going to get, you're going to get to hear more about your parents' story as you get older, as they can trust you more with that information. And as you hear more stories, you can be like, dang, you guys crushed it as parents. (laughs) So so I just want to add that in and echo what Mackenzie said. It's huge. And you guys alluded to this question a little bit, but you can just give me, just give me one for each of you. What would be a negative perspective or a mindset? Now that you're older, you're like, man, I picked that up. Maybe you've been in, I don't know, Maddie, she'll be like, your dad says that. And I'm like, oh, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. what would be one thing that you pick, that you've picked up that isn't awesome? And from your family, it could be a perspective or a mindset or a habit or anything like that. Um, I'll, I'll go first because this was actually a tension point in our dating relationship at times. Um, uh, it's a beautiful balance of valuing where you come from, but not finding your identity in that. Um, and especially in the church world, um, again, we're youth pastors at the Rocky Butte campus of Manor House. There's a lot of church kids. There's a lot of kids with their parents who are super involved or help pioneer or help do this or help do that. And that's all beautiful. A lot of pastors, kids at Rocky Butte. That's, I love that. But your last name and your parents title does not define what God's calling your life is. It can help it. It can sow seed into it. It can be an investment. I believe in heritage. It's biblical. I believe in, in generational blessings. It's biblical. We see it all throughout scripture. Um, but it does not define God's plan. And when I was growing up, I, I had moments of that where I'm a Holmes because I'm related to the Petersons who are Lazels. And I could say those, those three last names in almost any space. And people are like, 
You're related to who? Not me. When Mackenzie and I started dating, she was like, I don't care. Like, <laughs> and I was like, that's why I love her. So, um, and I just think, you know, again, I think there's a beautiful balance of understanding, especially when it comes to religion. And, and um, again, I just go back to that verse, pride puffs up. And so when you feel yourself, and I, I did that, I, I, I melted for all it was worth. And um, it ended up costing me friendships. It ended up really costing me some really deep relationships because everyone thought I was as superficial as a last name. And um, when, when I realized that, and part of that was going through Bible college and um, God really working on my humility, part of that was God bringing Mackenzie into my life as someone who wasn't attached to the manor house world at all. And so when she got here, she was like, do you love Jesus and do you serve people? Because at the end of the day, that's what's most important. And I'm like, yes. You know? <laughs> um, so I think, yeah, I think, I think that's a, a mindset or perspective that, um, and again, I've said this before and I'll say it again. My, my parents have even gone on this journey themselves and uh, couldn't be more proud of them. And to people who are listening in, just goes to show that growth never stops. And um, they wrestled with it and, and turned the page on it. And um, mom, because you're a huge fan of Mackenzie and I and our youth ministry, you're going to listen to this. Thank you. Thank you for, for going on that journey and, and helping me go on that journey too. So that's fine. I think for me, um, and I feel like I have to preface it, mom and dad, I love you. <laughs> you listen to this. <laughs> um, but I think, um, I think we all struggle with pride, but I think um, it can be fostered in a home um, and kind of like given everything, it, your home's like your Petri dish. So whatever mm. bacteria you allow in it are going to grow. Um, and so I, and, and I don't, I don't know exactly what the root of that was. Um, my parents and, and their parents are super hardworking, like, some of the yeah, hardest working absolutely. people I know. And, um, my dad grew up in some pretty extreme poverty. Um, and his mom had a pretty severe poverty mindset. So the fact that he overcame that, I, di I didn't grow up with that poverty mindset. I didn't always have everything I wanted, but, um, there, there's a mindset that's attached to it. Um, yeah. and I'm not going to go into that, but, um, and so I think maybe it was the, Oh, we've, we've worked this hard to get here. And so you, you kind of start to believe that you're an expert in everything, whether that's an expert in critiquing how the pastor preached or how they pastor people, or maybe it's how other people do life. And then comparison is just a fancy word for pride. And um, we compare. And when we compare, we're trying to make ourselves feel better than other people um, because it makes us feel good. Let's be real. It feels good to be the best. Um, however, if you're, you're, you're the best in your own world, um, it's just dysfunctional. Um, and so I think that's probably one of the significant ones and definitely one that I've struggled with, um, whether that's me thinking I'm better than someone else or thinking I deserve more or that I was cut short because how dare they not see this in me or, um, and so it's a journey. And to say that I've arrived at it, my prayer is that our future children don't <laughs> inherit that pride piece. I mean, especially since we both struggle with it. Um, however, I, um, I think that's definitely one that I inherited. Wow. 
but I appreciate you guys for going there. That was awesome. Yeah. What would be, so let's kind of, so let's bring it back to Holmes household, you to your roof. What are some intentional decisions you guys make? Like what are some like things that fill your calendar, some actions that, cause I, I know you guys have some, cause we were playing Call of Duty and you're like, I got to get off family time. So I know, I know you got some, um, what would be some decisions you've made? Hey, we are going to do blank. As for me and our house, we're going to blank. Give me a window. What are some decisions you're making now as a family under your roof? Um, I think definitely there's some basic things of like connecting every day and that yeah. sometimes that means just having a conversation and we love, we love having like random shows on because it like helps us check out. Um, but to say, no, we're going to push pause on that. And we're going to talk about our day. What did your yeah. day look like? Um, and if, if you don't have, for any student listening, if you don't have someone in your world um, that you can talk to your day about, um, let's get you in a group so you can text your group leader. You know what? This is, this is what group looked like today. This, or this is what my life looked like today. This is what it didn't look like. This is what I wanted. Um, so that was definitely something that we are really intentional about. And then, um, as we mentioned before, uh, we both have pride. Um, and so when it comes to communication, something that we really, really, really have to work on, uh, we've gotten way better at it. We're more in a habit of it, but we call it leaning in. And, um, instead of letting the conflict divide, like if you were to draw a triangle right here, <laughs> instead of letting the conflict divide us, it means that like, for me, I get really like passionate and sometimes I get really loud when I'm talking about something or we're disagreeing. Um, but I have to remind myself, okay, no, like my crisis doesn't have to be Brian's crisis and I need to slow down and have a conversation and assume the best of Brian. And, um, so that would, I mean, that's kind of roundabout answers, but assuming the best and leaning into conflict and, and connecting every day versus like, oh, we let four days go by and all of a sudden we don't know what's going on in each other's worlds. Because people be like, man, you're married. How can you not talk about anything? It's like, yo, it's, we don't have time. It's easy, yo. Like we, we, <laughs> we can, it, after a, a super long day and in a variety of ways and just getting to pass out, like it's a blessing. So um, yeah, I'll, I'll echo what Mackenzie said. And we try to keep them in categories um, that we constantly check in. Like I said before, you know, we emotionally, spiritually, physically, and financially, like those four areas are areas that we talk about regularly. You know, what are our financial goals? You know, well, Hey babe, what's God speaking to you recently? Hey, how are you doing? Are you getting enough sleep? What can I do to make? And, you know, we ask each other these questions, you know, what can I do to make Mackenzie asked me this today? Hey, what can I do to make your life easier? Like those, those kinds of things. Um, those are things that we're being really intentional for um, because we've seen so many people go through life and not really dig deep in their marriage or dig deep in their relationships in general. And, you know, when Mackenzie and I got married, you know, we made a covenant before God and man that in sickness and in health, richer or poorer, in fullness or in lack, we would be committed to one another. And um, a lot of people wait until there's a physical representation of those issues rather than asking the questions and on a consistent basis to figure out if those issues are starting to, to take root. 
And so, um, yeah, we're intentional. We're really like, there's nothing Mackenzie doesn't know about me and there's nothing that I don't know about Mackenzie. And, um, I love, I love it that way. It's like, man, that, that way of doing life and transparency and accountability, don't guess what guys, accountability gets more intentional when you, <laughs> when you move forward in life. Um, but yeah, those are some things we're, we're really intentional and, about. And in a practical sense, if there's specific things that we need to talk through, maybe it's our finances, maybe it's goal setting. We, like we set goals at the start of the new year, but we also do it on our anniversary because that's really like a check-in point for us. Okay. What did the last five years look like? What did the last three years look like? Um, but we'll put things on our calendar. Like, okay, when can you set aside two hours, four hours to have a conversation about youth, to have a conversation about, we don't work together um, for our jobs. So when we, we have to be really focused and putting things on the calendar, we share a calendar um, because our goal is to make sure we're on the same page as much as we can be. That's amazing. I love you guys. I just think you guys are the real deal. We love you and Maddie too, yeah. man. You can hang out sometime. That accountability, that's, that is the truth. I think, I don't think me and Maddie knew 100% everything about each other till year six. Mm. And it just, it just, your marriage becomes life-giving and becomes a source to lead from. It just changes the game. Yeah. Having a space I can blow up in and not be judged for it and not be brought down for it, but just like, yeah, I got you. It is what it is. You're a human. Let's righteous man falls. Get back up. Let's do this. What do we got to do? And we've had we've had these conversations so many times, Trent. But that's what we want for our students. Yes. Like that is. And guess what, guys? You don't have to wait until marriage to get that level of transparency. But hey, I'm getting ahead. I just get I get excited, so I'm getting ahead <laughs> of the game. But no, I know. I I just yeah. I got to refrain from preaching, but. <laughs> next question. Next question. Yeah. So let's let's talk about your your family trees, right? We've we've touched this a couple times. What is something that you, Brian, you talked about inheritance? What is something that you guys have inherited? Um, a gifting, a capacity, uh, uh, a way of thinking that's positive. What are some things that, man, my family, I got this. Can I go first? Um, man, I, I can't say enough about that with my family and I'm so blessed for it, both from my mom and from my dad, from my mom's side of the family. Um, Trent, you and I've joked about this a ton, but I can be in any worship service, um, any, any space really. And I can either, um, I can either feel God's presence and where it's going and know how to take it to where it needs to get to, mm -hmm. or. Um, I can, I can, I can know prophetically just in the moment where to go in a conversation with someone leading someone, guiding someone. Um, and that's honestly, I, I really believe that's how my mom has been my whole life. Um, mm -hmm. we'd be in a worship service and she would just be like, mm, come on, God's presence is here. And I'm like, well, it's, what, what do you mean? And we'd have conversations about the difference between, um, like digging and, 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 and plowing to get into a kind of a sweet spot of God's presence and then just being in uh, a restful place in God's presence. Um, and I can go on about that from my mom's side of the family, just inherited a lot of just from being in church services to travel to those different things. I'm super, super, super blessed by my, my dad. Um, my dad's a very quiet 
man, he is, um, he is uh, like Mackenzie said it with her, her parents, but my dad is one of the hardest working, most diligent, faithful behind the scenes men of God. Um, I admire my father so much and, um, I inherited from him, whether if it's a stage, um, or picking up trash in the very back of the parking lot, there is nothing too small for us to serve God's house. Yep. Uh, my, my dad, my dad um, painted cars as a job for a season in Yuba City, California. And so he's really good at, at painting. And so whenever he was given a task at the church, the old head of maintenance, Art Johansson, would give him a painting job and be in some random obscure room, just, just Jeff Holmes and his, his radio and uh, him just doing some painting in a back room. And, and to this day, there. I look at my dad and I inherited the ability to no matter what space set up, tear down, doesn't matter my job title or responsibility. Um, we're we're going to do the little things. Someone may never notice, but we, we never, we never decided to follow Christ to get noticed. We decided to follow Christ because he changed our lives. So those are the two. I, I mean, I can keep going on. I, I love, I love my parents, but those are definitely two things that I inherited. It's awesome. I feel like this one could be like an hour answer. Yeah, oh for my real. gosh. It's good. Um, I like that you broke it down both sides of the family. Um Thanks. <laughs> yeah. I think um from both my parents I learned this work ethic mm-hmm. that is powered by caffeine and the Holy Spirit. Um, <laughs> my parents are the I mean <laughs> Brian's parents are the hardest people working people he knows. My parents are the hardest working, most dedicated. Um, people I know, like my mom has, there's been moments in her life where there's been a deficit and her commitment has been to push through regardless of the deficit, whether it's a lack of being promoted when it was deserved or or whatever that looks like um, to make that the goal of I'm still going to do my best. And for my dad, he um, started helping his dad um, run the family business when he was like 12 um, still does the same type of thing and will pull, I'm the guy's almost 60 and will work a 14 hour day. Like it's nothing At, uh, for our house. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and, um, just commitment to excellence and mm-hmm. integrity and uh, yeah. making that the utmost value. And, um, my parents didn't necessarily grow up in, um, healthy church. Like they grew up in Christianity, but it was Christmas and Easter. And, um, so they were learning how to be Christians when I was growing up and learning how to be a Christian. So there's a lot of similar growth there in regards to when you're a baby Christian, you know, starting out with the simple things like going to church and finding community. And, um, and so to see that growth and, um, on my mom's side, um, there's a lot of pretty significant addiction, issues. And so, um, to be familiar with that world, but not be engaged in it. Mm -hmm. Um, I learned a deep part of empathy from my mom when it comes to that. Um, just in regards to seeing people where they're at, but also seeing their potential of where they can be. Um, and then for my dad, just the biggest heart of generosity and empathy. I remember being like, um, I think I was like 12 or 13 years old and in the church that I grew up in, um, we did these like different random out, uh, city outreach things. And one of them, um, that he organized was 
they'd go and any property that had like a fallen tree, they'd go cut it up and then they'd go deliver it to these like single parent homes where their only form of heat was a wood stove. And if they didn't have heat, they, they couldn't keep their house warm during the winter. So they just go spend every Saturday, like again, 14 hour day, let's chop a bunch of wood and go deliver it. And then another one, um, they did this like whole oil change thing and he just, um, okay, we'll get everyone in the community and we'll give them to this. We'll give them this for free because we just want to see people um, experience generosity and experience the heart of God when it comes to just blessing people. So I, I, and I could go on for forever, just like an attitude of excellence, giving my best to everything that I do. So I'm, I'm super grateful for my parents and everything that they've done. Big question. Okay. Yeah. I, if I didn't have family, what would I be missing out on? Uh, that's a great question. It is a big question. Um, I think to answer that question, <laughs> I'm going to ask another question to the person that is probably feeling that because there's definitely people in, that are going to listen to this that don't feel like they have family. And what we've described to them over this period of time is a dream it's it's not a reality and so i would i would i would ask the question what is your definition of family yeah how do you how do you define family because the family that i have as much as it is my parents as much as it is mackenzie the family i have is a heck of a lot bigger than just mackenzie or just my parents Mm -hmm. And um, the reason why I've been able to become the man of God that I am today, the husband I am, the worker I am, the friend I am, the gamer I am. So the, reason, the reason why I've been able to become all those things is because my definition of family, yes, it's blood, but it's also spiritual. Mm -hmm. And if you're missing a spiritual family, you're missing a lot. Mm -hmm. You're missing a family that transcends just the house you're living in you're, you're missing a lot. You're, you're missing not just wisdom, not just, not just the, the stuff that you can graduate college with guys, you're missing fun. You're missing endless laughter. You're missing just some of the dumbest <laughs> things I have ever done in my life that are some of my favorite memories are with my church family. Yep. Some of the most just God, how did I survive? <laughs> yep. Um, moments have come because of my church family. So what do you, what do you, if you don't have family, what are you missing? If you don't have family, first and foremost, I'm sorry. And, and honestly, it's why we, we do what we do. Um, is, you know, the Bible says that God takes the isolated and places them in family. Yep. And when I, when I look at that word family, as much as it is blood, and that's so important, God knew that there were going to be people that were isolated. And so he made a family that was bigger. So I would say if you're missing out on this spiritual family, you're missing out on a lot. Yeah, I think um, I'm going to make a big statement, but I think we can, we can do life without our physical blood family. I'm not saying we should have to. Um, but I don't think we can be fully who we're meant to be if mm. we don't have the family of Christ. Agreed. If we don't have the body of Christ. Let's go. Um, Guys, she's so good. <laughs> and I married her for life. <laughs> um, and so I think if, if you're missing out on what has been described, 
that doesn't mean that you're missing out for forever. Um, like you've got a second, you can text somebody, you can get connected and um, stepping into family is a risk. It's always a risk, um, but there is always a reward. And mm -hmm. when you, um, when you make the choice to surround yourself with um, people that honor God and love God, um, there is always a reward, a risk, but always a reward. So good. I remember because we had to find family here. So we moved here. <clears throat> and I, I can agree 100%. I have a huge spiritual family. I can go a list of men that have texted me, called me, sharpened me, flicked me, told me the truth, <laughs> punched me in the face. Um, and if it was just my dad, I think I could have gone pretty far, but it is compounded the distance I've been able to grow and the men I've become because my dad just wasn't insecure putting me in an office with another pastor or leader or somebody who like he had me work. My first job was working at a used car lot. <laughs> and those guys like taught me some things and they're like not the most reputable people <laughs> you know what I mean? like, knew that my system would pick something up and i just think i think you both are just 100 percent accurate here's here's something that i've heard since day one of being here if you guys have been here longer than me you've probably heard this all the time what i hear people saying is i can't find community here i can't mm -hmm. find community at manor house i can't find family i understand the struggle of that um <clears throat> i I also had a heart issue. I also had a very hard heart towards church, hard heart towards people. So that was an issue. But I remember um, I was like, we've always been tithing. But I remember God telling me where your treasure is or your heart will be. And I just began to leverage generosity to crack open my heart. And you guys know my journey. Everything came out of my heart and I almost lost everything. And so, but I gained everything in doing that. Yeah. Yeah. By, by leaning into family. And there was a point where Pastor Darrell looked at me and said, Trent, you're so out of control of what's happening next. You just have to go to what's next. And how would you, that was like a bit of information application that he gave me. I didn't know who to turn to. I don't know what to do next. I didn't know where help was going to come from. How would you, how would you like pastor me? Let's say I'm the person I've been coming to Manor House for a year, year and a half. And I'm like, man, I've been trying to find family. How do I find family here? Man, well, I, um, I'm actually reading my grandfather before he passed away, uh, finished and published a book called It's Still the Cross and talking about um, how the, the church traditionally has kind of walked away from preaching about the cross in its entirety. Um, it's, it's a symbol of Christianity. You see it in churches and around necklaces and stuff like that, but it's authority, it's power. It's, it's everything about our Christian walk as we know it today mm -hmm. is, is stands on the precipice of what happened that day on Calvary at the cross. And, and the chapter I'm in right now is actually talking about how the cross and the work of the cross is the single most unifying factor for everyone. Mm. You could be a billionaire. You need the cross. You could be homeless on the street. You need the cross. Mm -hmm. You could, you can go down 
the list of things and the unifying factor, the common denominator, we need the cross. Because of that, when it comes to the community of Christ, when it comes to the relationships that we're building, when it comes to finding family, that has to be your desire. If your desire is to find what I want, if your desire is to, I have this need, if your desire is, here is my ulterior motive, no one wants that in a family. Like no, no one wants to find someone. I can't find community. Well, what have you been looking for? Have you been looking for someone to just continue to edify your current way of thinking? Or are you looking to become more like Christ? And I think that's what we find a lot in, in students that we pastor, even in our own selves, if we're being honest, I mean, I'm 29, you know, Mackenzie's the same age and we're 30 and we're 30 and we're, um, we're still having moments where it's like, man, what, when it comes to community, Mm -hmm. what are we looking for? Are we we looking for people just to feed my way of thinking? Because Mm -hmm. honestly, that's what community looks like in 20, in 2020, in the beginning of 2021, you follow who you want to follow. They say what you want them to say it looks the same way as you that talks the same way as you. And you're saying that that's your community, but it's not community was never designed to just feed your way of thinking. Community was meant to be conflictive. Community was meant to be, to stir up something in you. Community was meant yes to comfort, but most importantly to confront. And as believers, if you're a believer looking for community, you have to understand that in order to find it, your motive has to be pure. And so oftentimes we enter into a desire for community with impure motives. And honestly, I think what's going to turn people that are not believers, that are listening to this, that are seeing this, you don't believe in Jesus and you're wondering about the community of Christ. I want to say I'm sorry. For a long time, the church has wanted you to to become more like us without us wanting you to see what you gain from becoming more like Christ, Mm -hmm. not like Brian not like Mackenzie, not like Trent, but like this person named Jesus. And when that's our pure desire, when that's our motive, when that's what we're coming into community for, is to become like the person that died for me so that I might have life and life abundantly, that is a very easy way to find community. The book, How to Win Friends and Influence People, one of the best books on the planet, says this in one of the opening chapters. The best way to become, the best way to gaining influence is to have pure motive. Mm. Look at, look at community. You have pure motive. People know, man, students can sniff out someone. Bro. That pure motive. Bro. But that's what I would say. That's, that's what I would say. Have pure motive and come so that you can become more like Christ. That's so good. That is really good. Oh my God. Oh, you will. Don't worry. You always do. (laughs) (laughs) Um, to like, I'm going to give you like a a 20,000 foot view, but um, sometimes finding new community, I didn't grow up in the Portland area. I moved to Portland when I was 18, came to college and then I never left. And I didn't know a soul. I had my car, my parents dropped me off and that's it. Um, And the first friend that I made, who's still my friend today, um, her name's now Vanessa Von Klarbergen instead of Hendrix. Um, but I remember sitting in um, the dorm one, like common area at PDC and just laughing and laughing and laughing, hanging out together, being goofy, being silly. Um, but what opened the door was simply complimenting one another. Mm. Hey, you know what? I, I really like your shoes. Oh, hey, I really, 
I, I like your hair, what, whatever that compliment looks like, it opened up the door to relationship. And there was a student that was in the youth ministry at 217. She's a phenomenal leader now, Taylor Dudley, shout out. Hey, let's go Taylor. Let's go Taylor. Um, one thing that she said to all of our leaders was if you don't, if you don't know how to start conversation with somebody, mm-hmm. say what you would want said to you. So mm-hmm. if you're not in community or you're not in a family and you don't, and you don't know what that looks like, well, what do you want family to look like for you? Do you want family to be kind? Be kind. Do you want family to be grateful? Be grateful. Do you want family to reach out? Then reach out. And I know that sounds super like harsh, especially if your heart's kind of hurting in regards to this topic of family. Um, However, sometimes when we expect family to come up to us, um, it doesn't happen in the way that we expect because expectations often do not become our reality. And so um, if there's a lack in your world, be, be that for somebody else. Be a friend, be family, be welcoming, mm. be kind, be generous, be loving, be uh, it, be an inviter. Don't be an excluder. Like there's so many aspects of family that are so rich and so good. Um, and all of us have to be that to other people. If we really, truly want family and desire family, we have to be it first. Wow. I just want to add one more thing uh, that Mackenzie was referencing. Um, you know, the end of that question, Trent said, if I didn't grow up with your picture of family, and I want to speak to that in some students, um, and this is one of the reasons why I love Mackenzie's story, um, is because her parents did not grow up with a picture of family that we grew up with. And they made a choice that when, when, when crap hit the fan and stuff was going down, um, they choose, they chose to find a spiritual family called the church. And I want to encourage you in something, their decision blessed me. Mm-hmm. Their decision has now blessed thousands mm-hmm. of young people, their decision to not take their current circumstance and say, it's unfair and this isn't right. And what can I, do? their decision has now as their blessing, thousands of people. Um, I can't tell you, um, Janet's, Mackenzie's mom's job professionally is, is as a counselor and she's, she's counseling people out of drug addiction. She's counseling people out of homelessness and she's counseling. I get emotional thinking about it because what changed wasn't their circumstance. What changed was their family. Well, they, they, they didn't have the family that Mackenzie and I have now. And they said, you know what? There's something about those Christians. There's something about that spiritual family that, that, I, that we want to be a part of. And now guess what? I'm blessed because of it. Mm-hmm. If you're listening to this, you're blessed because of it. And guess what? You could be that blessing. Mm-hmm. If your picture of family doesn't look like what you've heard mm-hmm. today, guess what? It can. Mm-hmm. And God wants it to. Your picture of family that that you think is, is going to be great and healthy and beautiful. And the only way it gets there is through the power and the working of Christ in your life. And so that would be my encouragement to you. Just like Greg and Janet made a decision to not continue living in the circumstances they were, but to pursue a different kind of family. Mm. You can make that decision today too. And we would, we would love, love with, with all the baggage you got, with all the stuff that you're coming with, with all the frustrations, all the hurt, 
can't tell you how many times I've been talking to students and like, Brian, I see to yell at somebody, yell at this guy mm-hmm. um, and just let it out. Just let out your frustrations and, and let's be the family that's going to change the world. Let's be the family that the world's so desperately looking for, but doesn't know how to do. Um, but, but the church does. And I mean, since we're on this topic, um, I just, I, I, with my eyes wide open, I want to let you know that God can restore and Come redeem on. anything that's been lost, broken, stolen, ripped from you, shattered, broken apart, set on fire, run over. God can restore and redeem that. Anything that's, right. that's been ripped from that treasure chest of inheritance, man, he wants to pour in that's right. far more than you could Come ever on. ask, think, or imagine. And that comes when we invite him into our lives, invite him into our world and say, Hey, come take a hold of my relationships. Come breathe life in my family. Come breathe life in my community. I would not be who I am today without the restoring power of Jesus. Nothing that I've been given compares to what Jesus has given me. Even my relationships, as good as they are, none compared to Jesus. He is the totality of everything I need, want, ever could imagine and goes far beyond that because he's amazing he's the best thing that's ever happened and so if you are in lack if you need god to restore if you need him to refill or or fix what's been broken he has the power and i just want to encourage you that it's um it's not as scary as it looks and his restoration is always good and it's always the best thing for you so good so good I'm, this is so good <laughs> i just want to echo what they're saying if you're listening to this and if you're if you're a youth pastor if you're a youth leader if you're a student that goes to man house if you're a student that doesn't go to man house if you're a student that used to go to man house and you don't like man house if you're listening to this and you don't like man house we we just want you to know our doors are open and you you have every right to to come in and receive family and yeah. and love and if if this church can hire a busted up broken angry hard-hearted hire not church member not church attender they hired me and i got i've been softened up i'm a completely different dude they hired me y'all <laughs> i know that it is in our DNA and the fabric of our identity is restoration. That's right. And it doesn't matter if you're the lead pastor of this church or if you're brand new or if you hate this church or you see this church, our prayer is that you find Christ, you find family. And we're just in a process of our salvation being worked out every day. And welcome to the club. It's you're gonna walk in. Hey, welcome to a bunch of people who are imperfect that have issues, and we kind of hold on to each other and link our shields and hope we get through it. And Jesus always comes through. And so I just want to I just want to let you know you're welcomed, you're invited, you're loved, you're expected, and uh, you can find family. Trust me, if if a busted up angry pastor's kid can find family here, you can find family here. So, um, okay, so Brian McKenzie, let's wrap this up. First of all, thank you so much for share everything you share, being transparent, but also just sharing your spirit and your heart. I love, I love you too. And just your perspective. And it's just so good. Um, where if I'm listening to this and I, I want to, I want to, I want to know you guys more. How can I, how can I link up with you? How can I follow you? Where can I find you? Like, how can I stalk you? 
how can I steal your identity? What can I do? Well, you're not going to find very much money. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> uh, uh, and I haven't changed my last name. So good luck. Yeah. Um, <laughs> honestly, you can find us at the Rocky Butte campus of Manor house. Um, it's at, uh, I'm, I mean, if I give you the address, you're probably not going to write it down. So, uh, but it's, Google it's it. yeah, you can Google it, Manor House Church, Rocky Butte. Uh, we'd love, we'd love to get you in a group and get you connected. We'd love to, um, honestly, our heart here at Manor House Youth, and it's echoed from Trent and Maddie all the way down to, you know, well, Mackenzie and I is, uh, is to just simply um, serve, serve your needs wherever you're at now. We want to come alongside. The primary way we do that is through groups, and you can learn more about our groups at uh, our Instagram handle, which is Manahouse Youth underscore RB. And uh, we have a, a, a short video of our group leaders talking about the groups that we have and the relationships we're wanting to build. So you can see a group leader and, and see where they're meeting. And we have groups that go through how to read the Bible. Um, we have groups that go through how, to about how you're gonna talk about your faith in, in, in your school all the way to groups that literally their job is to find the best food carts in Portland. Their, their, their job is to go food cart hopping and, and check out how to, how to eat at the best food carts. We have house parties um, where if you're comfortable, we'd love to have you come and hang out one of our high school or middle school house parties where we have giveaways and a little bit of worship and just a ton of fun. The last one, um, they played among us in like three separate circles and had a tournament and, Kids want a Despero's gift card, and um, but man, it, there's a variety of ways you can. Um, but uh, probably you can follow our main Instagram page. You can follow Mackenzie; she's an influencer on Instagram. So you, a lot of you've been asking about my skincare routine. <laughs> but you can follow Mackenzie, <laughs> Mackenzie C. Holmes, or me, Brian underscore R. Holmes. We those are not to get followers. Those are simply ways for us to be able to communicate and connect with you, get you in a group with other high schoolers or middle schoolers that are on a very similar journey to you, just trying to figure out how to do life and at the same time become more like Christ. So, And, and if you've never attended a Sunday service, whether that's online or in person, we would love, I mean, like, come sit with us in service. We want to hang out with you. We want to get to know you. You'll make us look cooler. So that's, <laughs> it's true. It's true. Um, but come check us out. We're, we're live on almost all of our campuses right now as this is being recorded. Yeah. Um, so come check us out, go online. 10 and 11 30. Um, the thing that I love about family is that it's not just people my age, it's people older than me, people younger than me in different stages of life. And you can see that on a Sunday morning. Um, so we'd love to invite you. Come join us. That's awesome. If you're listening to this and you're a youth leader or you're a pastor, DM them, get in contact with them, ask them questions. I've had a front row seat to their heart and their ministry and their leadership, and they're some of the best that I've ever seen. So you guys are rock stars. Hey, thank you for taking the time. Thank you for being vulnerable. Thank you for sharing your heart. Thank you for sharing everything that you shared about family. Hopefully this blesses a ton of young people. And uh, here we go, man. Faith, family, forever. That's our anthem. Trent, can I can I throw off that that outro with just wanting to pray? Is that cool? Yep. Could I just pray for everybody? Yep. God, right now, um, for students that are listening to this, for leaders, for maybe pastors, whoever is listening to this, God, God, we pray that they will understand that that family doesn't have to just be what you were born into. Family can be something you get to inherit. And Lord, in in the in the family of God. 
the opportunities of change and as Mackenzie said, restoration and inheritance being imparted is endless. God, you took fishermen that were the lowest of society standards and ended turning them into apostles that reached um, the greater world with the message of Christ. What a story of taking the isolated and putting them into family. And God, we, that is the same God we serve to this day. It doesn't matter where you come from, what you've been through, what you're going through, the amount of hurt you've experienced. God has a family for you. And so God, I pray for any hard hearts out there, people that are saying, nope, that's not for me, or no, I tried it and it didn't work. God, we pray for a softening of those hearts because that is where you want us to flourish is within your church, within your family. And so God, we pray that people that listen to this will leave not just with a better understanding of family, but a better understanding of your heart towards family and how it's different than the world. It is better than anything the world could ever offer because at the center of it is you. And God, we're grateful for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. Hey, if you listen to this, share it with a friend, subscribe on YouTube, follow on Instagram, check back with us. We got a lot more of these conversations that are going to happen this month and uh, they're all going to be so good. I'm so excited to do this. Love y'all. See you latest.